This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this episode, Tom Fox and Matt Kelly take a deep dive into AI risks and compliance. We take a look at the COSO framework cyber and AI failures, ask if we're governing AI and compliance the right way, take a deep dive into auditing, and then conclude with a lengthy discussion of governance and ethics around AI and compliance, a timely issue that I know you'll enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. Today, we're going to take a rounded look at some issues that have caught both of our collective attention in the general area of AI and compliance. So, Matt, uh, first of all, welcome. Hello, Tom. Good to be back. So, Matt, uh, this is below ESG, maybe one of the hottest topics and may end up being a much hotter topic down the road. So perhaps we could start with uh, some general uh, observations. You, I believe, led a panel discussion on this at the recent SCCE 2021 conference, and you um, wrote a couple of blog posts about it. And uh, what do you see from COSO around guidance about AI for or with compliance? Yeah. So, Tom, there's been a lot of chatter lately about artificial intelligence and how it is going to intersect with ethics and compliance issues and also internal audit issues and risk management issues. And we could get to both. Um, COSO, I'll begin with that because that was the sort of specific news peg that got me on this journey. Uh, Late last month in September, COSO published some guidance on the risk management challenges around artificial intelligence. It's not specifically geared for ethics and compliance professionals, nor is it actually specifically geared for internal audit. It's more, if anybody, geared for the board and risk management uh, professionals generally. But COSO did a good job of framing up a lot of what the challenges for corporations are going to be. And I'll rattle off a couple of them right away. Um, Number one, cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Number two, AI failures affecting business operations. Um, Consequences of using personal data without consent. Changing regulations regarding AI. uh, Making bad decisions based on AI recommendations. Lack of transparency into what AI is doing ethics issues, and you know, there's about 10 or so that the COSO guidance flagged. But what was most interesting to me, Tom, is for all of these issues, COSO had a nifty little chart. Uh, they asked several hundred risk management people, how confident are you that you're fully prepared for this risk around artificial intelligence, and how many of you feel you are not prepared? And in every single one, more companies felt they were not prepared than they were. Um, there is no risk related to AI that a majority of companies feel like, yeah, we, we have this under control. We know what we want to do. Every single one, most companies, they're not ready yet. And also what intrigued me was that when you really look at the specific biggest gaps and the more immediate risks that people are worried about, it's cybersecurity, 
its operational risk. It's uh, more around how data privacy might lead, or how artificial intelligence might lead to uh, bad business decisions. And they're audit-related risks. They're internal audit. They're cybersecurity-driven. The other ones that are further down the road, but they're still coming, those are the ones that are going to be around ethics and compliance risks. Do we really understand what we're doing if we, the company, entrust AI to run this business process? Or AI makes this decision for us? Um, or AI is going to guide our ethical priorities and what we take seriously, most seriously, in our compliance program. We're going to worry about this, but not that, based on what AI is telling us our biggest risks are. Do we all understand that? Those compliance risks are coming, but it's also striking to see we're still stuck on basic, you know, what are the risk management challenges? What are the cybersecurity challenges of AI? Um, and, you know, we've got an awful lot of catch-up work to do as corporations to really be ready for what AI is going to bring about. So, Matt, I've also been looking at AI a little bit more in uh, the nuts and bolts perspective, which are what I tend to blog about these days. And um, there are several different ways that AI can be used in compliance. Uh, Chatbots for employee support, inbound call analysis, routing, marketing campaigns internally for compliance, uh, an internal social media campaign, uh, social media sentiment analysis, uh, web analytics narratives, and uh, even compliance website operation. And and these uh, seem to me to be one of the things that I think you uh, called out as uh, really human tasks just much faster. And uh, the second part of uh, the equation, or at least the ERM equation you raised, is what do we do when we move towards uh, AI actually making judgments that humans can't make, or at least much, much faster than humans can make, such, such as finding patterns in raked leaves or looking at a large amount of data and seeing subtlety mm-hmm. and nuance? So at this point, do you see uh, compliance officers really starting to use AI in a way that just speeds up what humans can do, or do you think we're somewhere else? Now, I think that, you know, there's a, right now, there's a spectrum of AI capabilities, and I think most companies are not even at what we would think of as practical AI today. The really nifty stuff that, you know, say the main computer on the Star Trek Enterprise or Jarvis, the AI in the Iron Man movies. We're not there. We are not going to be there. Tom, you and I and our kids will all be long gone before we are there, I think. But where we are is, you know, could AI execute some fairly sophisticated uh, decision-making? Yes, it is. But most companies are still actually more on taking a lot of data and making predictive analytics about what we should do or what our biggest priorities should be. Um, And predictive analytics is really on that spectrum. It's halfway to AI. It's more than, say, fiddling around with Microsoft Excel uh, and humans might do. But, you know, you move from that to robotic process automation, which is a big term in internal audit these days, RPA, where the 
automated algorithm will do a three-point match on an invoice to make sure that it's legit, and then it will cut a check or an electronic check, and it'll put an electronic payment in the mail. No human involved. Could a lot of companies do that today? Yes. I mean, could some very few really sophisticated large um, companies or government agencies do something like have AI fly autonomous drones and decide to do a airstrike against a would-be terrorist? Could they? Yes. Would we have the technology for it? Yes. Is that ethical? I would say no. Who's going to be the one who gives the order to decide to assassinate a person on the other side of the world, even if they are a legitimate target? I would prefer people do that, not a machine. Um, so, so, But most companies, they're not there. They are still here on this accelerating human decisions and business processes that we already do. They're just doing it much faster. But, Tom, there is a practical example of the risks here, and I'll give you uh, one that you just cited. So some companies are maybe using automated bots to help run their um, their internal hotline or their interactions with customers who might be calling on a customer complaints line. And you're not talking to a person, you're talking to a bot. The way machine learning and artificial intelligence works is just with vast amounts of data. So if you start to basically poison that data, for lack of a better word, the machine learning and the AI, they're going to learn the wrong things. Um, And I will give you an example of this. You know, I've cited it before, but back in 2016, Microsoft launched an AI-driven chatbot and gave it its own Twitter feed. It was called Tay, and Tay lived for all of eight hours because people on Twitter, because we are knuckleheads as humans, they started poisoning the interactions that Tay had. They poisoned the data by giving Tay all of this white supremacist nonsense. So it looked at the data and said, oh, well, all these humans are talking about how Nazis are great. I guess they are. And Tay, within hours, was spouting crap that would have made the Nazi party proud. And then Microsoft had to pull the plug on Tay. This was a big disaster. Um, And it's that kind of demonstration of the challenge here. So you might use an automated bot to sift through your helpline data, but if somebody decided to game your data and flood your hotline with bad responses, if they hacked into it or they mounted some wackadoo campaign of people calling your hotline and pranking it, bad data is going to lead the machine learning to reach bad conclusions. And here's my question. How would you know that? And you know, we can get to that because I have internal audit friends who are greatly alarmed about the cybersecurity risks here. But our trust in these algorithms, it's going to be very difficult for us to be sure. Are these AI things making the right decisions? How do we know that? Because if there was a human on your helpline getting all of this white supremacist prank calls like happened to Tay, they would know right away. It's like, this is whacked. I'm not going to answer the phone anymore. i got to call the boss. Something weird's going on. Machine learning might not yet be able to make those kind of decisions that, frankly, a 13-year-old would be able to figure out. So that's kind of where we are, Tom, with these compliance risks and these audit risks uh, and risk management generally around AI. It's got a lot of potential, but the governance challenges and the data management challenges within them, as Coso called out, like they're big, and we are not yet in position to solve them all. So, Matt, it seems to me uh, what you described is moving from task automation to machine learning. Uh, And one of the potential risks is 
what I would call the OGIGO formula, garbage in, garbage out, where uh, negative information is put into the machine learning aspect intentionally. But the second thing that I've been thinking about is what happens if a um, algorithm makes a wrong decision uh, based upon valid data? It just technical glitch, read something wrong, like um, a Uber driving car sees a uh, sunlight as a headlight and reacts incorrectly and then learns and grows from that mistake so that by the time it's recognized uh, at the end of the process, uh, you're not quite sure, one, how it got there, but number two, you really can't... uh, fix it without kind of stopping the entire system. So is that something that either uh, that COSO has really helped us frame how to think through that, or is that something that may be in the veiled land of the future? Uh, It's closer to the latter than the former. Now, COSO did call out that the more we are relying on sophisticated AI, then the more important data governance and model governance, algorithm governance. And the more important these things become, that you have to have very good, solid grasp of what the data is that's going in, that you're governing it, that you're keeping it secure. It's not getting either polluted or anything else. But also you have to do the exact same thing with the models. And that is what you were talking about. You know, they're going to have to model out for a self-driving car the difference between sunlight reflecting off of a glass surface and a headlight. And I'm not a technician. I don't know how to do that. But I could very easily see some very difficult technology questions to that. I assume the, the whiz kids at Uber and Amazon and everywhere else are working on these things. But even if you're trying to solve those model problems for you, the business, developing the AI, if you're going to let it loose in the greater world, like if Uber believes that they solved this self-driving car thing and then puts it driving down my street, well, I didn't agree to that. I didn't attest that I'm okay with this. But if I'm walking down my street and Uber hits me, what is the legal framework to educate that kind of dispute? And again, I don't think we have that. Um, who would be liable there? Would it be the city for allowing this? Would it be Uber for allowing this? Would it be the independent contractor who maybe coded up the AI and nobody at Uber caught the mistake? Or you know, the auditing team thought it was sound but not. So do I sue the external auditor or what? You could play this out for days. And so aside from all of the technology questions here and the audit questions to assure that this thing works... When it inevitably does not, then you still have, well, what's the legal framework or the compliance framework to demonstrate who's liable for what? And you know, again, Tom, I don't think we're there for society for that either. So another way to look at this might be AI, using AI in a standalone application that might be limited to compliance or some other function. You talked about accounts payable or moving to a broader system-based approach, which might be a greater component of your sales. So, for instance, quote to cash, uh, where every from the moment of receiving a request for, for um quote all the way through to signing a contract with a customer or procure to pay whether you're where you need uh, some type of merchandise or products that you need to procure through your supply chain as well. And it, it seems like we are really starting 
almost at a crawl, walk, run approach where we may be crawling, some companies may be walking, but we really don't have the tools in place, even in uh, the function of compliance, to move towards uh, using machine-based learning. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I do think that's true. I mean, the problems, the challenges right now are how can we convince ourselves and others that we are governing these tools in the correct way? And, you know, Tom, for now, who are the companies that we've named so far in this podcast? It's Uber, it's Amazon, it might be somebody like Facebook or Microsoft. But for we mere mortals who are not these technology giants, you are not going to be coding up sophisticated artificial intelligence on your own. Um, if you're a manufacturing business or a medical device maker or something like that, a lot of the times uh, you're going to buy the AI-driven application or the machine learning application or the predictive analytics application. You're going to buy it from somebody else. So the next question, and this was one where I had the post about compliance risks, and immediately a, a good friend of mine who's an internal auditor, he called me up and said, you are missing the very immediate internal control risks around AI. So if you are going to buy some sort of predictive algorithm software from a third party that has developed it, well, how are you supposed to figure out that it's doing what it's supposed to do? And very practical basis here. Um, if you are using these things to, say, keep track of inventory and to make purchasing decisions and to value your inventory, well, and you're publicly traded, the audit firm is going to come along and kind of look at what you're doing. They might want to look at the AI-driven inventory management program you're using. What are they going to audit exactly? Do they audit the AI code itself? Do they audit the IT controls for, like, access that the uh, the person you bought it from, the, the vendor, are they going to audit the access controls of the vendor to make sure nobody snuck in and gamed the AI before you bought it? Because that absolutely does happen. Rest assured, we have already seen many instances of nation states hacking into software vendors because they're actually targeting the customers. And that's exactly what the Solar Winds attack was back in 2020 and 2019. Um, this is just an AI version of that. But, you know, if you're going to try and audit things, well, what would you audit? Would you audit the code? If you audit the code, who's going to audit the code? Because are you saying the audit firm is going to be sophisticated enough to know how to audit AI? Number two, would that vendor that you bought it from actually allow you to be able to do that? Because I could see them saying, that's proprietary. Tell your auditor to buzz off. Um, if you, uh, even if you get all the way there, what if the AI code just gives you a different result? You know, like you could technically take one pit of AI, run it in two similar companies, but they've got minor differences in how they operate. Well, like I said, that's the data and the data is where it learns. So you could have one AI reach two different decisions for two different companies that are roughly the same. How's an auditor supposed to say which one is correct? And by the way, still, you know, we haven't solved the fact that nobody knows how to actually audit this, except for people smart enough not to bother to be mere peon auditors. Because if you know how to develop AI code and look at it that well, you're going to go and jump to Facebook or Amazon and make three times as much money developing these things, not auditing them. So I think there's all sorts of challenges there, and nobody knows how this this thing that we bought from a vendor, how do we actually know that it is working the way that we're supposed to? 
because you don't inspect it. You inspect it, and oh, yeah, it seems like it kind of sort of is running the right way, so I guess the results are good, and we can use this to make decisions. But we're kidding ourselves if we think we have a firm grasp that we are sure it is running the way it is intended. And, I mean, I could go on from there. My audit friend could go on from there. But, Tom, like I said, we have a lot of building block questions about how do we govern these things? How do we gain assurance that they're working? And then, only then, can we really get to, okay, and by the way, is this something we actually want to entrust to a machine that we're going to make major strategic decisions based on what it recommends for product development? That kind of stuff. That's step 19. My audit friend is saying we're still stuck on steps one and two and three. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. So that really leads to our final segment or part of this podcast, Matt, which is to look at some of the ethical issues. And we've touched on some of these uh, throughout this podcast. I was uh, really intrigued by this AI question in connection with the recent Facebook whistleblower uh, where the uh, algorithm uh, to drive engagement on Facebook uh, only read increased engagement. It didn't read the why or the how that engagement uh, increased. I don't know if that would be bad code or bad data or even a a bad judgment, but nevertheless, uh, of course, the more volatile, uh, higher profile uh, information or posts that were made in Facebook got the higher engagement, and that, of course, led to um, negative uh, posts that were more negative got more engagement. So uh, yes. that was uh, viewed as uh, very negatively by everyone in the world except apparently Facebook. Are there so- some other kind of examples you can think of uh, where this question of ethics, uh, and, and I really don't mean sort of whether whether we should do facial recognition or not or whether we should uh, turn over a drone to make the decision to uh, take a human life, but really the everyday business decisions that even Facebook was making at the time, uh, allegedly. Well, you know, the thing about Facebook is, as I'm listening to you describe it, and I've seen those complaints myself, if Facebook were an actual living person, the way that what you just described, the way that would work with actual people is that they would be the bouncer sitting at the end of your street deciding which people they're going to let knock on your door. And the way that they're going to decide that is which person who knocks on your door makes you shout the loudest for you them to go away and get off their lawn. And they're going to say, oh, wow, man, look at this. I'm sending all of these wackos to knock on your door, and you're screaming at them all day long. This must be great. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to. I'm going to send more of them through your way. And if that actually happened, the very next person we would tell to go buzz off would not be the next person. We would tell the bouncer Facebook at the end of the street, get lost, this is a bad idea. But when we translate that transaction in the code, which is exactly what this is, we get this bizarro result, Tom, like you said. This is exactly what is happening here, is that Facebook is doing exactly, the algorithms of Facebook are doing exactly what they're told, and they are magnifying, frankly, the worst impulses of humanity. And look at the resulting mess in every way, shape, and form. Um, I don't know off the top of my head the sort of ethical issues that 
would arise that are similar to that. But I could easily foresee we're going to have problems around law enforcement. We're going to probably have problems around pricing decisions, especially for important goods such as, say, medicines, pharmaceutical products. Uh, I know AI has come under fire because it's been used for sentencing guidelines and sentencing recommendations in actual criminal cases. Uh, And there's software out there that businesses use and uh, that courts use to reach these decisions, and nobody knows exactly how it works. And I don't know that that is legally fair. Um, So we could go on and on like this, but you're absolutely right that this is the sort of stuff we are going to grapple with. And these are corporate board decisions. These are CEO decisions. This is around building your business strategy on AI. And you're going to wind up having these decisions that you know, we're going to have to think what is important to us as people before we go and entrust a machine to enact it in code. Because like I just used with our Facebook bouncer example, what we think of as important as people can look very different when you try and turn it into code and you get these wackadoo results and nobody likes it. Could we maybe take this down to uh, the compliance level? Uh, or not that uh, that's incorrect. How What's compliance's role in this? Are they the arbitrators of ethics, uh, the keepers of ethics within the organization? You, well, not you, but perhaps m- myself or other compliance professionals, we're not competent or capable of doing the coding, as, as you correctly pointed out. So we can't really get into the weeds and uh, try and monitor this uh, in any way, shape, Going forward, do we uh, put on training for our coders to reminding them of their ethical obligations, or is it something completely different? Well, the thing I would think of first would be to compliance officers should start by encouraging higher ups and further outs for higher up on the org chart and further out in the operation. Uh, encourage them to actually think that think through this is going to be a thing, and we'll have to tread carefully. Uh, one great example of what I mean, I heard this years and years ago when social media was just trying to rise to the fore, and the one of the compliance managers I knew at, I'll just say, one of the largest fast food businesses in the world, where we have all eaten their burgers, billions and billions of us, uh, her rule for the business units and the franchisees was, if you're going to do it, and we've already authorized it, that's fine. Go ahead and do what you want. You don't need to clear it with us. If you're doing something new, bring it back to us first. And she and one of their IT auditors at this large fast food chain, they would then pick apart what are the ethical, what are the, or what really, what are the privacy considerations? What are the audit and security considerations? Um, some, a model similar to that, I think, is urgent for ethics and compliance officers. You want others in the business to get it into their heads that if you're doing something new with AI and analytics, let us know before you do it. If we've already field tested this and now the division in Europe is okay with it and we're on to roll it out in Africa, go ahead. Maybe you can have that kind of flexibility. But if the marketing team decides on its own, we're going to embrace predictive analytics for product placement online you know, and they're not going to tell anybody about that, that is a perilous thing. And that's the sort of role I would say ethics and compliance officers should play right away is to try and intercept those bad habits before they take root. You could also, depending on your relationship with the board, sit down with them and basically tell them, you understand that 10 years from now, we'll all be thinking about these things. And we don't want to be caught flat-footed 
like Facebook, for example, where too much of the strategy just it was that, well, you know, the AI will guide us, and the AI isn't guiding Facebook. I don't know who's guiding Facebook these days. Really, it's hard to tell. But, you know, you would definitely want to try and tell the board, think long and hard about how IT, which is amplifying your strategy, if you're going to inject artificial intelligence into your IT, how is that going to amplify your strategy? Or is it going to drive your strategy off in directions nobody anticipated and you wouldn't have picked? And that's the kind of thing I would think uh, would be most prominent right away. Matt, I really love the way you frame that, which is if this is something new, come to us, because that to me speaks to really at its most basic level, enterprise risk management and the role of the compliance officer, that if your risks change, your risk management strategy may need to change as well. And you do that through continuous monitoring and if needed, continuous improvement. And to me, what I heard you speak to is the need for the compliance professional to have visibility into a very wide variety of business units and business processes going forward. So uh, I thought you brought that home back to the COSO uh, ERM framework uh, quite well. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm sure the COSO people will be pleased. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a deep and difficult issue, I think, for a long time. Well, Matt, uh, this is one I'm sure we're going to be visiting on again. So I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I'm going to link to Matt's blog post in our show notes, so check that out for additional information. I'd also like to tell you about the latest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Design Thinking in Compliance, where with my co-host Karsten Tams, we take a look at the social engineering tool of design thinking and how it can create greater efficiency and effectiveness in your compliance program. So check out Design Thinking in Compliance. It posts every other Wednesday. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.